Welcome back to the Geeks at the Gates. We are back with Hat and Alice discussing Alice's discovery of modern Doctor Who. Um, we are discussing a big chunk of Matt Smith's tenure this evening. Uh, so without any further wasting time and, and chatting from me, quick blast on the spoiler horn and we will just get into it. Spoilers! Spoilers! Okay, so we are just at the time of angels uh, in which the Doctor and Amy emerge from the TARDIS to find the wreck of the Byzantium spaceship, which is full of weeping angels. It is. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. I, I liked and hated this episode. Do you care to elucidate? Well, I, I really liked River Song. I really liked the thing with the angel coming through the, the, the video screen. I liked the thing with Amy not being able to open her eyes. You know, there was some genuine... But there were just too many angels. There were so many of them, they stopped being scary. Does that make sense? I understand that, yeah. Are we going to talk about both episodes, like, smushed together? Or rather... Might as well, because they they are a single I think we probably should, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because actually, we haven't talked about Crash of the Byzantium yet, have we? So I'm I'm just jumping the gun. You're jumping from when they, uh, yeah, when it crashes and yeah. the whole, uh, uh, he finds the box at the beginning. Yeah. I think the introduction of, the reintroduction of River Song is worth knowing because obviously the previous time we met her was uh, in the library, silence in the library. We haven't seen her since, have yeah. we? So the last time we saw her, she died. Yeah. I think as she's such a major player, it's totally worth um, knowing. What did you think, Alice, when you saw her back? I mean, you obviously knew she was coming back. Yeah, I, I'm always. Thing. Yeah, I am always really excited to see River Song. She is one of my favourite Who characters. I absolutely love her. Um, just for her, just for her, like, and just the fact that she's just so chaotic and just so mischievous and unbelievably sexy and just unapologetic is it's just she is just an amazing character and she's one of the few female characters on who i have never at one point actively hated or even been remotely annoyed by which is quite a feat because there are a lot of female characters that have had that effect on me at some point so yeah i just every time i see her i get excited and i know i'm in for a ride yeah yeah i can't argue with any of that i i I think that's pretty much where i come in with the song as well whatever else you can guarantee it's not going to be dull no um i really loved her literal entrance in that you know it starts it starts with her them finding the um the box and it's intercut isn't it with her um her her heist them in the um the cathedral which is a museum yeah intercut. i believe it's intercut it's been a while i'm assuming it's intercut i think it probably is i, I remember it, it as being intercut cool and not just a, a a me brain thing cool so um i love that intercut brilliance because it's him like going oh dear and reading it um and realizing what it is and you see her writing it and then going out the airlock into space mm. and they're running for the TARDIS and it's kind of like a really as an introduction of a character the audience knows her already from one episode but doesn't know her like this in any way shape or form they know her as this you know woman in a spacesuit who 
the Doctor saved somehow and who knew him but we don't know why mm. and then it's like this this whole kind of who is no it's cool I was just I just think it's a nice expansion on it, it's kind of a complete reintroduction of the character because we've seen her at her end and now we're kind of seeing her not at her beginning we're seeing her in the middle mm. she knows things for him yeah that he does not know yet and so this the whole lack of narrative order becomes more apparent and I think it, it makes it I think it makes it all the more intriguing yeah, definitely and it gives um, you like who is she and I like that a lot and it and it keeps and I think it really it forces the audience to engage in the best way because it keeps you on your feet and you have to concentrate yeah so the most interesting thing in the episode to me isn't the angels it's River Song and where we are with her and so like as much as the angels as you say like they become there's so many of them it, it, it they they cease to have uh fear anymore it's like it's like, like in, it's, in it's, yeah. go. all i was going to say is that unfortunately because doctor who has been around for a while and it's been really big and i also know people who are into doctor who unfortunately i already know who but when i was watching these episodes i knew who river song is or and Mm -hmm. i think so unfortunately there wasn't a big surprise for me when it was revealed who her parents are what she is or could possibly be and i think thankfully it didn't completely ruin it for me whilst i was watching these episodes leading up to that reveal but I do wonder sometimes what kind of effect it would have had on me if I didn't know. Mm. Yeah, because it was definitely... Because it is quite the bombshell. I think that was one of the biggest reveals in the Smith era. Mm-hmm. And I think because she was over those two series, it was really um, a big build-up because you had her in pieces all the way through and you knew she was out of order and so mm-hmm. then that I think was quite um, a I, I remember being like oh my god wow how did I not see that but yeah mm. but back to Angel stay on top mm-hmm. yeah Reggie was saying that so many of them really um, detract from their fear factor yeah it was just too many it was like I don't know if either of you had this experience as children. Um, when I was a kid, I was not allowed... This, 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 this anecdote is going somewhere, I promise you. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was not allowed toy soldiers because I wasn't. wasn't like guns either. And so I had a couple that sort of uncles and aunts had given me for Christmas and so my mum couldn't take them off me. My mate, who lived across the road, had literally bucket loads of them. And he used to arrange them in his garden as, like, forces arranged to attack. And I always thought they looked really silly because there were just too many of them and they were all the same. And it it just didn't... It was supposed to look like a ferocious fighting force and it just didn't. It looked just like a bunch of plastic tat. And that's what I saw with well, so think- many angels. One on its own is scary. Hundreds of them. You start to ask questions like... It feels like overkill. Yeah. And well, I think the thing is with it, though, they don't reveal that they're all angels for a long time. At first, you just think you're in, like... Uh, to start with, it's meant to just be a tomb. Mm. Um, love a tomb. And, um, you know, it, that's the, the misdirect. 
And I think as a misdirect, the idea of like loads and loads of statues in a, a tomb-like environment um, is quite a clever misdirect for them then becoming something else. One thing I would say to that as well, Reg, is apparently this ep- this this two-parter was inspired by the relationship between Alien and Aliens. So this is all. So in that vein, it's supposed to be. You know, Alien, the original movie, was a horror. It was a, it is, in my mind, a classic horror movie. Whereas Alien is more of an action movie. Absolutely, yeah. So this is supposed to be a more action. Yeah, and undeniably, Alien is less scary than Alien. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there is a reason and also a, the desired effect for you to not be scared in this episode because that's not because because aliens isn't sure I, I, I don't know whether james cameron wanted the audience to be scared or not when he made aliens but he certainly wanted them to be entertained yeah no and i absolutely take that point and uh, and i i see the influence i can see what they were trying to do i think well, my problem is that the difference here for me at least and i'm i'm you know your mileage may well vary but the Alien is a horror movie. Aliens mm-hmm. is an action movie. Yeah. And I can see that. But Blink is terrifying. Yeah. And, and you see, are just, like, just like Alien made me fear the aliens, the xenomorphs, mm-hmm. Blink made me feel the, fear the angels. Aliens is not as scary. No. But the aliens themselves never feel ridiculous to me. Whereas, are you saying that the the angels feel a little bit ridiculous? My view view of the angels changed completely with this two-parter. Really? I don't don't find... They jumped the shark even more later on, which I'm sure we'll get to with the angels. But this was the point where I started not really caring about the angels. And I sort of resent this story for that because I loved them so much in Blink. I think... What, I don't find them less scary after this pair of episodes. I completely get what you're saying about vast numbers of them. The thing, right, okay, if you were going to make, an, for me, an enemy into a horde, the horde must remain terrifying. The horde of alien, a- angels, as long as you can keep your eyes open, isn't terrifying because they can't move as long as you're looking at them. Meanwhile, if you have to have your eyes closed, then they can get you. And so I think that, that does help maintain the suspense to some degree and that Amy can't actually have her eyes open otherwise she's going to turn into whatever it is. And the, uh, the way the angel speaks through the soldiers or through the dead soldiers, um, I think, does add le- an extra layer of, of fear to it. You know, the, the absolute deadpan. That's true. And that was, that was very, properly very creepy. creepy. Yeah. yeah, that was properly See, creepy. Just to add to what Hat said, again, going back to Alien and Aliens. Now, I I don't know whether, and, and I think this is just down to differing in responses to the films, but with Aliens, the suspense was still there, but I didn't fear the Xenomorphs to the extent that I fear the Xenomorphs in Alien. And I... I genuinely could not explain to you why i have such a different reaction to the two films that are in the same franchise using the same monster how Uh, how far apart did you see the two films i'm trying to 
can't remember now when it was I first saw the films. I I I, I want to say that I actually saw it as a double bill, but I'm not entirely sure. This was back I, when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, I saw them. They were showing them over the course of like every weekend on ITV. They showed a different one. So it was Alien the first week, Alien two, Aliens, Alien the second film, uh, in the second week, and Alien three in the third week. So I saw them a week apart at the age of about fourteen, and I remember a week apart, two was way less scary than one. Yeah, and and I'm talking, and this is and this is the thing about Alien. It has the same, no matter how many times I watch that film, and it is brilliant, it is in my top five favourite films of all time. Alien always has the same effect on me, which is no matter what time in the day I watch it, I will not sleep that night because there is something incredibly primal and visceral about how terrifying Xenomorph is, but the the face hugger, the but whereas aliens, there is that suspense there, but there isn't that. The film doesn't really de- dig deep into your psyche and terrify you, like go to the very core of your being and finds what <laughs> d- and just grips you in terror that way. And I do think it is all down to tone and the generic, um, the genre elements that those two films employ Mm. in terms of a comparison just to i mean to drag it slightly back to doctor who um (laughs) alien is much more claustrophobic as a film because they're stuck in a spaceship with it and the same way and i think yeah in the same way in who in blink they are in a house with them it's one location Mm -hmm. and in and the um these two film these two the byzantium crash section uh of dog two because i can't be bothered to say both their names um it's a much larger environment it's much broader in the same way that it is with aliens versus aliens so you've got that lack of claustrophobia and by making it more creatures and more spread apart and and bigger and more like Um, you say it 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 gives you suspense still because you've got the whole closed eyes things you've got the deadpan voice you've got that stuff but you don't have that they are trapped and they cannot get out feeling that they have in the house yeah you know I think that's that vulnerability as well, because, and I think the the level of vulnerability drastically changes from alien to aliens. Because if you think about it, alien, they are a, am I right in thinking that they're just like a delivery service or they assign yeah. vessel? Yeah, no, they're yeah. truckers. They're just yeah, truckers. they're truckers. And this is the same, it's the same sort of thing with Doctor Who, isn't a- it? In aliens, they're soldiers. They've got right. As um, as Hudson was <laughs> was bragging to Ripley about. Check it out. Independently targeting particle beam failings. Wow. For a half a city with this puppy. We got tactical smart missiles, base plasma pulse rifles, RPGs. We got sonic electronic ball breakers. We got nukes. We got knives, sharp sticks. Got sharp sticks and all of that. <laughs> it's yeah. the same thing. It's the same thing in, in the two Who episodes, because in Blink, you've got a bookseller and a, a DVD store clerk, essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, they're dealing with it. The Doctor isn't even there in Blink. And then in this, you've got yeah. the Doctor and you've got the entire army and you've got River Song and you've got Amy. And, it's, and he's at the centre of it in a way that he wasn't in Blink. So I think 
it does, like you say, it completely changes the tone of it. And yeah, it, it does mean that you've also got that kind of like, well, nothing's really going to happen. The doctor's here to save the day. So it's not even just that there's yeah. lots, lots of aliens, aliens, lots and lots of angels. You know, there's lots and lots of the bad guy in this kind of thing, but he's there to save the day and you know that he's going to. Mm. That, that mitigates the risk as well, doesn't it? As a, a person in the audience, you know that... Um, yeah, you know that you're just going to get out of this a lot. Yeah, there's one thing you should never put in a trap. Me, you know, that's the that's the line. That was the tagline on the episode advert on, on yeah. the trailer, you know. And that was that whole thing. I think that there's some really lovely elements to it, like the trees that are not really trees and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. You know the the yeah. uh, the and we first this is where we see the crack again, as well. So we're, we're beginning our kind of real. We, we've seen the crack on the side of the um, the sh- the the hull of the um, the ship, the sh- Starship UK. We've seen the crack there. We've seen the crack in the wall, um, and then you know now we're seeing it here, and it's it's eating, and we start to see that the the crack is doing something which for an overarching kind of linking theme throughout the season as it is, it's kind of the beginning of that. Yeah. The audience realising that this isn't just like something in the background, this is something very much in the foreground and a prominent uh, part of the season. Yeah, yeah, it it does work as a um, mythos-building episode. Yeah. Or story, because it's two episodes, but you know what I mean. Mm. In in that way. So... (laughs) So yeah, and you know, and on an action, an action level, it works. I guess you know the action's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I suppose our, our point is is that all, if all you got was suspense, then I think it's kind of done its job because that's all you really got in Aliens as well. Even though you know that the uh, the Xenomorphs pose an incredible threat, the extent to which I experienced it. The fear of the xenomorph in that one was susp- it was just a it, it was just suspense rather than pure unadulterated horror, yeah. <laughs> like mm. it did in Alien. I think the other thing with it is that um, it gives uh, Amy Pond enough fear and enough. Um, it drives her story personally as well, doesn't it? Because this is the end of this episode when it's revealed that it's the night before her wedding that he's come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's nice that Amy had so much to do. Yes. From a, from a contemporary point of view, looking back from the end of uh, Series 11, um, looking back and uh, remembering a time when Companions got plenty to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'll catch up, Alice. It's, there's, there's a serious discussion in our future about that, I'm certain. I'm sure there is. Things of having things to do. Of of companions not being given things to do, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it'll make sense in about six episodes' time. Actually, probably sooner than that. What with where I am with, from now. where you are now, yeah. What at the beginning of the of, of eleven? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, it gets better. That reminds me. I've got an episode um, on my horizon, don't I? Which is worse than Kill the Moon. Yeah. Yes. Good luck. Um, so the next episode we should not speak here, of it here. Yeah, the next episode in Smith era, which is where we currently are, uh, having gone home, having had Amy Pond try and snog the Doctor, um, because oh god, go on, Alice. Oh, just, I, I hate it so much. 
I hate it, hate it, hate it so much that I know we've been over this, but I just, I kind of just, she's getting married. Yeah. She's getting married. She's trying to snog the doctor all the time. And I don't care if this is somebody that she's built up in her head since she was a child. Well, you She's think... getting married and it pisses me off so much. And, and, <laughs> do you know, I, I've been thinking about this because when we last had this discussion, I wasn't thinking about this episode. I was still thinking about um, the 11th hour. And yeah, here... It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, not not any, no, it, none whatsoever. It doesn't. None. It doesn't tell us anything about Amy's relationship with Rory. Nope. It doesn't tell us anything about Amy's relationship with the Doctor. I suppose they were going for the idea that she's unsure about getting married, and she's not sure whether that's a good thing to do. Um, but, but they were already doing that with her running off with the Doctor on her wedding yeah. night. That was already achieved so, so, already so, demonstrated that so, so her to, do it. to snog him is just overkill yeah there was no need to do it at all it was and it... then we get vampires in venice <laughs> which is genuinely oh god it's everything isn't it <laughs> i mean at least there's helen mccrory in it that's that's the only positive thing i can say yeah Actually, that that is, it's so, the thing is, and I, it is so over the top. It is so unbelievably over the top, just gothic pulp ridiculousness. Fish people, they're fish people, for God's sake. Um, You see, that that was good fun, just because it was so ridiculous. Yeah. So camp, so gothic. Mm. It was frankly oh, I, a really I, nice change I, of pace. I am, I am here for anything that is so pulpy, over the top, camp gothicness. That that is my jam. If 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 it's just if it's purposefully ridiculous, it's kind of the whole. My feeling uh, is though they chose this as the backdrop to explore Rory and Amy's. Troublesome relationship. Do you and know it just feels like the weirdest disconnect of anything they've done at this point. Because, that, because at that point in time, their relationship is such a dumpster fire, I think they just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best description, Alice. It, yeah. It's what are I can't so, argue with. Are you, are you so glad now that you've dragged me into Doctor Who? I am so delighted <laughs> right now. <laughs> Um, and you're right, actually. Another really sexy woman, Helen McCrory. My God, she's brilliant. She's just brilliant as this matriarchal character. I love her as a matriarch. She does it so well in everything she's ever put into doing it. And um, I don't know. It, it, people can say it's typecasting, but each one of them played in a very different way. But all of them are incredibly powerful and so brilliant. Just so solid in that role, and I love it. Mm, yeah, but yeah, just it, listeners, if there is anything ridiculously pop, um, pulpy and gothic out there that I've not, I'm not aware of, please send it my way because I like that sort of thing. So long as it's pur- purposely ridiculous, because there is nothing I can't stand more than something that's ridiculous. And it's like, okay, I'm enjoying it because it's ridiculous, and then 
either I hear the creator or there is something in the narrative that is telling me, actually, you're supposed to be taking this seriously. And that's when you've lost me because I just think, well, I was enjoying this because it was so ridiculous. Um, now you're telling me that this is supposed to be a serious piece of art. Yeah. Doctor just, is nothing if it is not a complete ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Doctor's ever claimed to mm. be a serious piece of anything. Reg, I can't hear you at all. Is Reg talking? Sorry, I was muted. Oh. <laughs> um, uh. So, but yeah, now what I was saying, and maybe I should learn sign language just in case that happens again, is no, I don't think anyone ever claimed Doctor Who was a serious piece of anything, let alone art. Yeah. But I'm just talking like in general now. You know mm. what I mean? There are films and stuff out there where it's like, take us seriously. It's like, but I was all, I was enjoying this until you told me to take it seriously. Like, this is the reason why I love the film, and I and I think you really need to watch this, Reg. Um, uh-huh. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I know you've read the book, but the, the, book. Uh, the film is fantastic. And the, the reason why I love it so much is because it's very clear that it's that the film is aware of how ridiculous the whole premise is, and it just has fun with it. It's the ultimate junk food movie. It yeah. is the McDonald's of film. It is just, you know, pure trash. But it knows it. It knows yeah. it. It's very self-aware. And that is what I like <laughs> when films like that are self-aware. So Vampires is your jam because it is totally that. It's self-aware and it's ridiculousness. And, I mean, they get through. They realise they love each other. It's all a delight. And that's kind of it. Tin lid oh, the end of that it's, it's kind of wild from that perspective. And then we get... Possibly one of the best Doctor Who episodes of the entire Moffat era, which is Amy's Choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. A lot of people hate Amy's Choice. Amy's Choice is brilliant because the enemy is a piece of space lint. Yeah. And any, any, any episode of, of Doctor Who where the enemy is not something they can punch gives me deep joy. I really like it a lot. I don't like that many episodes that are just like, oh, look, here's four things trying to murder you. I would much rather have episodes where it's like, oh, no, these are your inner demons. Fight them. Good luck. I do love it when, actually, and this is just, again, not just restraining this to Doctor Who, but just in general, where the when, it, when, it's, um, when it's your inner demons, that's your enemy, or that's the monster of the week. I'm trying to think what the name of the episode is as well, and I wrote, and it's a recent one. Um, it's when it's uh, we're kind of jumping ahead of time here, but it's when twelve is basically uh, the monster is grief. Oh yeah, that was probably. Let's wait for that. Let's not talk about it right now. Let's... Not not right now, but it's just like it. But yeah, it's that's another example. Um, and actually, another example outside of who that I can think of is the Babadook. It's again, grief is the monster. And I just, I really love that. I really love it when writers use that rather than just use a recycled, <sighs> overused. Oh, it's the Cybermen again. <laughs> just, yeah, worn out trope that nobody, that nobody is buying anymore rather than use something that is so universal and 
raw and something that will kind of hit a nerve but in the best way yeah i mean with amy's choice i don't think it's that raw or or universal it's mm, let's see do i pick the man that i've imagined as being a thing yeah but yeah again i'm not talking specifically about dr who but i'm talking in general it's just it's it's a thing that i appreciate and love yeah Um, i'm just trying to drag us back to the target (laughs) (laughs) and you do it so well Amy's choice. Why do people hate it, Reg? Tell me. I think perhaps because it doesn't have a villain you can punch. I think perhaps I think perhaps people like a monster. And Amy's choice is actually quite a cerebral sort of episode. And a lot of people don't like the ending. These people are not me, by the way. I'm, I'm... Because she picks Rory. Yeah, a lot of people at the time thought that was a really bad choice. I have a real problem with people who self-insert themselves as the doctor and wish they were him and therefore wish that they got the girl. I want to slap those people a lot. And I think those people are the people that um, have those feelings. And they think those people are also the people that hate the Capaldi era because they don't get to be a nice young man running around with the nice pretty girls anymore. They have to be the old man who is definitely not doing that. And now they don't like the Whitaker era because, oh, it's a girl. I just feel like too many people want to self-insert themselves as the Doctor and any time the Doctor doesn't get the girl, they get pissy and it makes me want to scream. Mm. Am I the only person getting a terrible echo, by the way? No, I'm getting it. Um, sort of. I'm sort of getting it. Okay, how's that? No, that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I do. That's my feeling about all it was the wrong choice thing. I think Rory's great. Yeah, as do I. I, I, I don't think... I don't think that you're wrong it's I, i'm just i guess basically pleased to discover that i'm not the only person who likes it yeah i think it's a fantastic episode hmm. i also like the weird monsters with the eyeballs in their mouths now they were properly creepy when i say i liked them they made me feel extraordinarily uneasy which is something i look for in a monster were you filled with an unease i was indeed filled with unease we can't I use like- that as episode title though we've used it before yeah uh, I like the fact that they made people disintegrate to nothingness. Mm. I thought that was really an interesting one. That whole, like, it's completely gone and obliterated, especially given that one of the overarching things is that that kind of thing for the whole series of things just being disappeared. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the Doctor's world, as it were, they were just freezing to death. Yeah, it was, just, it was genuinely unsettling. I like the Poncho Boys situation. If we're going to die, let's die. Look like a Mexican folk band is a great line. <laughs> it's a fantastic it really line. Fun line. And I liked. Um, I love him in most things. Toby Jones. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. again, Toby Jones. He's one of those actors that's kind of brilliant in everything he does, though. His tawdry quirks comment was just so on the nose. Thought that that building that um, enemy of the Doctor being the Doctor himself was very smart. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I really like the way that whole thing comes together. Uh, and as you say, I think Amy made the right choice. Um, but yeah, I love Toby Jones's whole concept of the Dream Lord. I think it was brilliant. I liked the perfection. Rory had a sad little ponytail and was actually a doctor, and you know, all of that stuff was great. And I still refer to my friends who are pregnant as having swallowed a planet. Yeah. <laughs> It was just it's, a really—it's really, somewhat accurate, accurate, really. 
it's a really enjoyably scripted episode. Reg, are you still there? I'm still here. You were really still, and I was worried that you'd frozen again. I panicked. I was listening. Yeah, I, I think it was a really nice scripted episode, and that's kind of what I look for. Things that it, it gave me so many random little phrases that just stick in my head and stick in my mind, and I can't say there's that many episodes that really do that mm. from this season, um, but this one really, really does. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a hugely underrated episode, I think. Shall we move on to The Hungry Earth? Yeah. Shall we? Now, I do love a Silurian. Oh, yes. I, I, they, are, they have become, next to the Ood, in fact, I think they're both probably on par with each other. They're my, the Silurians and the Ood are my favourite alien races in Doctor Who. I am deeply in love with one specific Silurian. Are you? Uh, you you yes. astound me. Yes. Yeah. We have not met her yet. Nope. No. It's the same actress. True. Yep. Um, and it was nice, from my perspective, it was nice to have another classic villain, or at least another classic monster in the new, in the new Who thing, particularly because they did Silurians so much better in New Who than they did in Classic. They were a little bit ridiculous in Classic Who. Dare I ask what it was like in Classic Who? Um, well, the premise of the Sunlorians was still, was, was still the same. They were an ancient reptilian race that predated us and was hibernating and then mining operations kept waking them up and mm-hmm. in, in self-defence they attacked the miners kind of thing. Um, so it's the same basic plot, actually. It was just the makeup was so bad. Um, and of course, in Classic Who, um, we were a good deal less woke. And so, in Classic Who, the solution of, um, oh, just kill them all, was regarded as perfectly acceptable by pretty much everybody. Um, uh, which, you know, doesn't stand up to modern sensibilities all that well. I really like that the enemy in this particular sequence of episodes is human stupidity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, the enemy is not the Silurians. It's human stupidity. And and I love episodes like that because isn't that always true? I mean, just in real life, isn't that true? Yeah. I mean, look yeah. at the situation we're in now. Yeah. The biggest threat we face right now is people being thick. <laughs> and people thinking that their stuff is more important than anyone else's stuff. Mm, and that they know better. Okay. Human stupidity, it will be the end of us. Yeah, it's the enemy, and I like that they use that, and they don't make it big green monsters, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they make the Silurians actually in this quite sympathetic. Very. Which, yeah, quite right. They, they are. One thing I love, um, particularly, is the design of the Silurians. Like you said, they are uh, a better makeup. Than they look they so good. Uh, um, it, they did the clever thing they did with the... Um, uh, they're not Krogans, that's Mass Effect. Um, big rhino dudes. Jadoon. Jadoon, right, okay. So in the Jadoon, they have the big black helmet thing, so they only have to put makeup on, like, three. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the, the Silurians. And they also even use cloning as a great reason why they look the same. Because it's the same actress and they only have prosthetics for, like, one person, which is brilliant. Um, but they're in two colours. And it's like, wow, these are, like, really really clever budgetary um, I was gonna say, design choices. And I really appreciate them from a design perspective, which is where I live. Yeah. I, so. love, I love that about Doctor Who. Yeah, actually, the, 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 
and they take they take what is for this kind of television show a ridiculously small budget and turn it into a virtue. Yeah, and and they give them they uh, they give really clever uh, options instead. So they have helmets or face masks and things that have a function and a purpose mm. in narrative in order to actually allow them to to maintain their budgetary restraint, like you say. Um, and I just, I really enjoy the way they design the characters around that. And I just think it's, yeah, incredibly smart and beautiful, like beautifully designed monster faces. Just so well done. Yes. I mean, I mean, just as a general point, I think this is something that modern do, modern who does so much better than classic who ever did. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. Yeah. It's well, it's, do you know what? It's not just that, because I mean, people take the mickey out of the bubble wrap in the arc in space, but Bubble wrap was fairly new. People hadn't seen it. So it wasn't an everyday thing. Um, but no, Time the... to imagine now a world where bubble wrap is yeah, first introduced. It's because she you're not fantastically know. old, Alice. But also, she does not know what episode is coming. Oh, that's true. Oh, God. Oh, God. Like yeah, oh, is, this, bub- is, it, is this the episode that I haven't seen yet? Yes, it is. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap will come back as a villain. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it will. Um, but well, no, what, what I find inexcusable. Can excusable... you at least tell me the episode in question? No. Tell me anything about it. No. It's about bubble wrap. Um, so you can't even tell me the name of the episode so I can at least prepare myself. No, because I don't want to warn you. I think you should just live it like we had yeah, to. Yeah, we had to. We had to go through it, Alice. It's... We've protected Liz from it as much as possible. Um, no, so why is it? Will, will Liz's reaction be gargantuan? I don't think so. I think she'd just be like, "Why?" and that was it. Because you know she doesn't really react. No, it's just Liz. Liz just had the was just fortunate enough to miss it the first time round and uh, has been warned off watching it in the first place. Yeah. So okay, we've discussed the fact that lovely, lovely human stupidity is the enemy. Yeah, Salarians and the beautiful oh. production values on yeah. the Salarians. And it's just, the, the thing I was going to say about this in relation to Classic Who, because obviously Classic yeah. Who had no budget either, but Classic Who took no care. Uh, there's one example in particular, I recall, the, the, the villains, I think they were called Hemovores, and they were blokes in big rubber suits. <laughs> but there's a scene of a bunch of these creatures marching down a corridor, because of course they are, because it's Doctor Who. Not only can you see the zips down their backs, <laughs> but their face, their faces are just masks they've put on like, like as cowls, as helmets. And the, the sort of frill that goes around the shoulders to hide the join in one of the, one of the actors is tucked up under. So you can you can actually see the top of the zip, and it's like that's not even it was a bad costume, although it was because you shouldn't be able to see the zip. But they just took no care over that, and I don't get the sense ever in the in New Doctor Who that they would ever care so little about what they were doing. Yeah, New Doctor Who seems full of people just going the extra mile to make it good. Uh, yeah, it, it's it just so much better. Um... I think these two episodes, obviously, they're, they're brilliant because of the slurries. They're brilliant because human stupidity is the enemy. Um, they're brilliant because they discuss the fact that there are fixed points and there are also unfixed points and the world of the future can change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Amy dressed for Rio um, and gets sucked under the earth. 
<laughs> Rory gets to strike out on his own and try and mediate and calm people and stuff. And Which he did brilliantly. Yeah, but, but sadly, human stupidity wins. Um, I love the dyslexic kid who is just like, words are really hard, give me an audiobook, thanks. And I'm like, yeah, mood, mate. Yeah. Get that. <laughs> and I kind of loved his inclusion and the fact that he, you know, was kind of a little hero all to himself, which was really nice. Um, uh, and I, it, it was it was great, and and I uh, uh, some brilliant actors in it as well. Um, and then at the end, we lose Rory. Yeah, and I thought that was really effective because they'd built him into in in actually quite a short space of time. They'd built him into somebody that you really cared about, and that was clearly really important and really necessary. Yeah, and then gone. And, it, and there was some real the horror in that. Yeah, yeah. Coming off the back of Amy's choice, especially, mm. you know, I think it did make it matter, whereas a couple of episodes sooner, he would have given it to us. Exactly, yeah. Alice? I thought yeah. you were going to say something. No, I, I, I complete, I'm in agreement with everything that has been said. Um, human stupidity will be the end of us all. There are, you know, every so. I think that every just became the episode title. <laughs> you know, every now and then there's a headline that says there's an asteroid heading towards us. There's sometimes, and there's it's always at times when everything's going tits up. I can't help but think, actually, do you know what? We deserve to be hit by that asteroid. Is it one passing us this week, or was that last week? This week it's it's killer bees, isn't it? Um, Death hornets, yeah. Death hornets. Yeah. So. We get the crack in space again at the end of this episode, right? And so the Doctor reaches his arm in and pulls out. Is it the end of this episode he does that or no? I think it's the end of this episode he does that. He has to know, and he pulls out the chunk of TARDIS. It is, because the next episode is Vincent and the Doctor. That's right. So he pulls out the chunk of TARDIS and sort of, you know, you see that it's a piece of the sign and there's that hint as to what might be the one before. So we're getting these little, little jigsaw puzzle yeah, as we go along, and it's always at the end of the episode. They're just like, "Don't forget, this thing's here," you know, and kind of reminding us that something's coming. Yeah, and um, then it's Vincent and the Doctor. Oh my god, I love this episode so much. I love this. Yeah, it's um, particularly the ending. Oh, it that was such an emotional ending, and I. I don't think I was prepared for how much of an effect it would have on me. Uh, Trust me, Alice, nobody was. Um, Tony Curran is amazing. Oh, my God, he blew that performance out of the water. I think it is hands down one of the best um, performances in an episode where th- this isn't a, re- a reoccurring character, this oh, is a single episode without performance. Question. Without question. Absolutely. And I think, again, just... And, and Bill Nye as well, even though it was very brief, he was great too. They hug at the end. When he hugs Bill Nye, I just cry. I just cry. Yeah. Just... Even though we are jumping ahead to... Uh, to the end of the episode, but I just to, for him to hear that he matters mm. 
and and I don't think this is just for artists here. This was a guy that su- suffered from severe depression, and for somebody such as myself who has lived with it since I was a teenager, but it didn't have a name until I grew up and I heard the word depression. I think this is also very a very important message for those people alone. You do matter. Mm. It, no matter how small your life is and no matter how hard life has hit you, how many blows it's you've been it's thrown your way, you do matter. I also liked the unflinching realism of it in that it mm. would have been really, really easy to do something where Vincent discovered that he mattered and he was all happy uh, and then he went off somewhere else and you know changed his name and actually didn't kill himself yeah. and they they could easily have done that and I'm so glad they didn't and I'm so and glad they that they actually fa- agreed they actually, actually agreed. they not only do they face it but they they take it head on and Amy goes and looks at the painting and it actually says for Amy on it mm-hmm. and then they look it up and she discovers that he still died and she's like but but we showed him, and it's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Sometimes you can't fix it, sometimes you can't win. And just because you've made somebody happy for a bit doesn't mean the problem's gone away. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you know what? I'm so glad that they decided to not... Because I think there would have been too much of a wish fulfillment Mm. rather than being honest about the disease, because that's what it is. Um, It's you have good days and you have bad days and sometimes it kills you and sometimes you find a way to cope and live with that particular monster um but to completely but for for it for them to have gone down another route and for him to say that he didn't die and basically give an alternative his you know history um i think that would have pissed me off actually well it would have been incredibly disrespectful for a start as well as unrealistic Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. As, but you know, they they took on a level of darkness and realism, which for a family tea time show, uh, I actually think was genuinely brave of them. Yeah. Um, and I I wish they'd made equally brave decisions later on. But there you go. That's yeah. That's a discussion for when we get to those episodes. Yeah, um, but I also liked I also liked the way just to go back to the beginning of the episode. Um. I like the way that Amy became, because obviously she no longer remembers Rory. So the doctor knows, but she doesn't. And we get a side of Amy that is extremely assertive and takes no nonsense from anybody. Uh, Like right at the start when they're throwing Vincent out of the bistro because he can't afford another bottle of wine. And she says, what? Well, I shall have a bottle of wine for me and my friends. And brings Vincent back in. And I, I like that assertiveness in Amy. Always have. It's one of the things I love about her. Uh, and I also like um, that brilliant scene where they do Starry Night. I mean, we, we talked about this hat when we did the art thing. Um, where they're, they're lying. Vincent gets them to lie in the field and look up at the sky. And he describes what he can see. Yes. And we get the just the beautiful animation of the starry night painting just forming above them. It's gorgeous. And it's, 
I love it when Who does that. It's 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 not the sort of thing that Doctor Who does a lot, but it's I think a wonderful way of introducing your audience to something they might not have experienced before. Yeah, and I think it's a really great way of illustrating the way that um, Van Gogh uh, viewed the world and the way that we can understand his understanding of what the world was Mm. through his paintings. And I really love that. I I do. I love the way they use um, his art in this whole season. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and they avoided the trap, um, which a lot of shows have fallen into with characters like this of sort of saying, yes, he was a tortured soul and he had a, a serious mental illness, but it's all right because look what it allowed him to do. Yeah, my eyes just rolled so hard. They I, nearly uh, I am brain so sick of that trope. Yeah. I, so, I, it, again, it would have been so easy for them to have done that, just thoughtlessly, without, uh, and they didn't do it. Um, well, yeah, and also because it's a trope that loads of the... It's an overused trope in general. It's... And... Also, for some reason, now mental illness becomes synonymous with artistic genius or any form of genius. And female mental illness hysteria, yeah. Yeah. And it almost romanticises it a bit. And I, again, as somebody who lives with it, I don't appreciate it at all. (laughs) Indeed. It's not fun. Yeah, there is is nothing romantic about it. It's horrifying. It's hideous. (laughs) It's brutal, it's miserable, it's awful, and it doesn't make anything easier. And it doesn't make doing art easier, that's for damn sure. sure. Um, <laughs> uh, it's uh, yep. not <laughs> And I think, like, uh, he was able to do what he did in spite of it, rather than as a result yeah. of it, I think is um, a way Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. and I, I also wanted to quickly add, Nate, maybe just putting a more positive note on this, is... Um, what I loved about this episode as well is that Vincent Vago was the first artist I actually became familiar with in general and the first one I actually fell in love with as well. So it was really nice to have an episode for him. Yeah, definitely. I um, I really loved uh, the fact that they did a Doctor Who rewatch of this on Twitter the other week. Um, oh. I think towards the beginning of all of the chaos that we're living and Tony Curran was live tweeting it and so was Karen oh. Gillan. And they were, you know, tweeting about very ginger children and all of that stuff, which I, um, I really particularly found. I, I giggled at as uh, they were going along. There've been quite a, a few nice little um, Doctor Who rewatches done with the actors on Twitter recently, and that's been quite a nice way of breaking yeah. the the constant misery. So yeah, I really did. I loved that they did that. Um, oh, they did that one is, of the everything. Yeah, it was really cute. So that was nice. Yeah, Tony Curran's absolute standout performance in this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he does a fantastic job. I think from this performance alone, I because I I'm sure I've seen him in other things. It's one of those actors that's been around, and you, I, I recognise him. But I just think this performance alone is an indication to what a great actor he is, and I wish I could see him in more things because you can't pull off that level of emotion, especially in that final scene. Um, and in 47 minutes. And in yeah. You, you yeah. can't pull off and, and be a mediocre actor. Yeah, That's, that is something that is not an easy feat. 
and he steals um, the entire show like you know i mean all we really remember what well, the monster is invisible it's really sad it's not meant to be there it gets stabbed with a easel a field easel with its nice big long pointy spikes that you stick into the ground so it doesn't fall over in a gale and that's sad and he his relationship to it and the way he talks it through its death is brilliant yeah um, but like it's the least relevant thing in the episode the most important thing in the episode is is Van Gogh and his emotional state and the way he interacts with them and um you know I'm so sorry if you can hear my dog itching in the background she's being a nightmare right now That's we why I never mind for a minute. <laughs> um yeah that I think the the fact that the focus becomes him especially after Rory has gone you know mm. and, and Amy doesn't automatically go like sort of on a a bit of a mad snogging mission with him or anything like that. I think that's also a very positive step in the right direction for her character. Mm-hmm. Um, well, especially when he's he, able to mourn someone as well. You know, she's able to mourn the loss of, of someone that she appreciates. Even yeah. Not yeah. Rory. And I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. choice to follow yeah. directly on. So yeah, Vincent and the Doctor is a phenomenal episode. The Doctor is surface to requirements the majority yeah. of the episode. It's a very uh, Doctor Light episode, really. It is. And, I mean, I do love his contraption with the rearview mirror. I think that's a, a lovely uh, piece of prop work. It's great. I take my hat off to the props department for all of those amazing paintings. They did a stunning job. Mm-hmm. Uh, those. Like, they were absolutely fabulous. I thought that was great. Creating the, um, the sets that looked like the paintings, creating the bedroom, all that stuff that really kind of was so hammy but at the same time didn't detract from the emotion of the storyline i think it was very very uh, very very fun but also very clever okay we're going to leave it there because well first of all we're, we're sort of approaching the hour mark i mean we're at 54 minutes as i record this outro Uh, So we need to be stopping soon. And the next episode that we discuss is, by agreement of all three geeks present, terrible. And I really don't want to leave on a downer. So that's it for the Doctor Who discussion. We will be back next week. Now, whether it will be a continuation of this discussion or whether we'll drop a Uh, a Dungeons and Dragons adventure in I am not sure and the reason I'm not is we have recorded a Dungeons and Dragons adventure uh, a continuation of the campaign that we have been on for a few weeks now and um, the internet ate it Uh, I recorded it we recorded it over Skype it was actually cracking some fantastic hot D&D action going on and um, my computer crashed at about two and a half hours and all the audio is gone i've got a temporary audio file on my computer that says it's the audio but it will not play and after nearly a week of hammering it about and hitting it with electronic tools nothing at all has worked so i'm not quite sure what we're going to do with that D and d doesn't work in the in a way that lets us just play it again I think I might have to turn it into a short story and, and maybe we'll do a live action table read or something. Something like that. Um, so that's it. 
A quick reminder that although Destination Venus is closed at the moment because it's inside the Everyman Cinema and that is closed, we're still online, www.destinationvenus.co.uk. Hit us up on email, info at destinationvenus.co.uk, or find us on social media. We're uh, Destination Venus on uh, Facebook, and we're Destination Ven 1 on Twitter. Uh, and we're also destination underscore Venus on the Instagrams. So follow us at any of those points. Um, we will have new comics this week. Uh, if you are a regular customer, you'll be hearing from me about what's in. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And we'll see you next week. Until we do, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, be kind to everybody else. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Geeks at the Gate podcast. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeks at the gate. Or contact us on Twitter at geeks at the gates. Or contact us by email on mail4geeksatthegates at gmail.com. That is the number four, not the word. Geeks at the Gates is a production of Venus Rising Media and is proudly made in Yorkshire.